So we're, this, this morning we're starting a, a new sermon series. This is kind of funny the way God works. And by the way, uh, I think funny, but not like ha-ha funny, like radical, awesome, God is sovereign kind of funny. As I sang the songs we did this morning of worship, I was floored by how lined up with scripture they are. I say that because we actually have some software here at the church that you can plug in the information. I can plug in my sermon and what I'm going to preach on, and then Dan can plug in his songs, and I can look at his songs, and he can look at my scripture, and we can make a great plan for how we can communicate the gospel effectively with you, which is what we hope to do every Sunday, is to communicate the gospel of Jesus with you. But this week, and actually for the last few weeks, we've not even been using that system properly And so it did my heart delighted. My heart delighted in our Lord because this morning as we were worshiping, it was like, wow, he's lined up all Dan's heart and my heart for his glory for this word today. I hope that you understand that. That, you know, sometimes I've had people say, man, all these Christians are out to get me or everybody's pressuring me. But I think that the biggest conspirator in the world is God. God. Like, you might be blaming people for pressuring you or sharing the gospel or trying to get you to understand and believe what Jesus said is true, but the conspirator is God himself, his Holy Spirit, pushing and pulling us toward the truth of the gospel. His son laying down his life, his father speaking over us, you are my child. Will you believe the good news? And so I get really excited whenever I recognize that in myself and say, that's awesome, that God is awesome, the way he works amongst us. So we're going to spend, this is interesting because we're going to do something we've never done before in that I have been really feeling convicted to sit in a text. That kind of sounds weird. But to spend some time in a book of the Bible and studying the book. And I've been praying, Lord, what would you have us to do? And we've got many things we've been planning to share with you via sermon and via family groups um, that we think are really important. But the Lord really had this burden on me. I'm like, you know, what are we going to talk about, Lord? Where are we going to go? And what he kept saying was, we're going to look at Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Now, I went into Hebrews not having great expectations about, I mean, other than the word of God, like what the plan was going to be as we entered into Hebrews. And I hope that you will take the journey with me. Let me say that again. I hope that if you come here regularly at Family Bible Church, that you won't just come on a Sunday and listen to what's said and and maybe then go to family group and listen to what people say, but you'll actually take upon yourself to follow Jesus, to open the word, to read scripture, and to see what it actually says. I would invite you to do that, to read as we study the word. I say we're going to do something we've never done before because we're not necessarily going to I don't know, this could be a long, it could be a short thing. We're going to walk it out and see how, what the Lord does. And it might not be consecutive weeks even, but we're going to spend some time studying the book of Hebrews. I'm so excited. Let me tell you something real quick. The truth is this. I think if I, if I just pastorally, if I can just have a moment of your time, if I have my dreathers, what I would rather do, I would love to have an opportunity to preach twice a week, Right? Not because I got more to say, but I think that there is a powerful thing that God does through the word as we examine the text slowly and look at what it says. I wish we could do that all the time at Family Bible Church. Just go book to book, verse to verse, reading the scripture, and let God bless us through that. But the other side I think that we have opportunities for is many of you, we have conversations about uh, thoughts, concerns, ways we live our lives, and, and we do some sermon series on things like marriage or parenting or um, being a, a single person or sex or um, alcohol or you know, whatever it is, these kind of topical things. We've covered them, you know, and we feel this need to continually go back and recover those areas because God has spoken over those areas of our lives. We can't act as if God has said nothing. And so... In my kind of 
hard, I think, man, it'd be so cool if, I could, if we could be doing both those things at the same time, you know, kind of have like a topical and a, and a book-rooted series all the time going on at Family Bible Church. Maybe someday. I don't know. Maybe someday. And now, let me say one more thing. Not, not so you can hear more from me, but if we can hear more from God on what he's doing. We'd have more opportunities to share the gospel, more opportunities to preach the gospel in and around Family Bible Church and in Highland, Illinois. I was blown away by something this week. Um, we were, it's been a kind of a crazy week, and Wednesday night, someone said, hey, can you recommend a Wednesday evening service, worship service? And I said, in Highland or somewhere else? And they're like, well, we don't care, wherever. So I'm like, well, I don't know if Highland has one. So I started looking at the local church websites, you know, couldn't find one in Highland. Isn't that interesting? A Wednesday night worship service? So I thought, well, there's some big churches in other communities. They have to have Wednesday night worship service. Started looking, you know what? Unreal. Like there's very, now some of you are going to say, I know of one. Who knows of a Wednesday night worship service? Raise your hand if you know of one. No one here knows? Okay, thank you. So there are some, but if you think about the, the worship, the exposition of the word, the praise, the glory, like what we're called to do as followers of Jesus, it's really radical because you hear like Wednesday night's church night, but it's really radical, isn't it, that if you look, there's, there's Sunday mornings. Like everyone's meeting on Sunday mornings. I don't know what that means, but I just say what opportunities uh, exist for us to not just... Um, uh, preach the word, but, but set in a text. So that's what we're going to do in this series in Hebrews. And we're going to kind of mix it up probably with other series, but as the Lord leads, really. And speakers, by the way, as the Lord leads. But I wanted to really kick off here from uh, the book of Hebrews. Um, so this is what I wanted to talk to you about first of all. And let me, so, so far we've had the Adolphs who raised their hand and participated in the service. And you've all worshipped this morning. I hope you have, sang songs and prayed prayers with us. But I'm going to ask a question. In, in your life, I have a, this is now, I, I apologize now because this is going to be a divisive issue. It really is going to be a divisive issue, so be ready. But um, I have a question for you. Coke or Pepsi? Show me if you're a Coke. It's okay. Jesus loves you anyway. Nah. Show me if you're a Pepsi. What? Show me if you're neither. All right, look, holy cow, this church, what's happening in this church? Yeah, praise God, the third option. Look at you guys, bucking the trends. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that interesting, right? This versus that. Uh, something I have nearer to my own heart. I'm, I, I, this is going to be maybe dumb, but um, who's, a, who's a muscle car? Muscle car, wait, versus economy car. Oh, come on. Muscle car, who's a muscle car? Yeah, a few of you. All right, good. How, who's an economy car? Be proud, economy. Yeah, look at you guys. All right. Isn't, isn't that funny? We spend, I mean, think of some other categories where you have a, a real passion. You have a real uh, decision. You, you've made a commitment in some area of your life. Um, I had a bunch of these written out, but, uh, oh, no, no, no. All right, one more. We'll just one more. One more, and then we'll stop. No, I'm sorry, this is my old nerd coming out. PC or Mac? <laughs> this will be good, right? Who, who's a PC? All right. Who's a Mac? All right. Who's, who's an other? <laughs> See, there's some others here. Awesome. Good for you. Yeah, there's so many of those, right? We could just throw them out all day long. We have these areas of our, we are so used to, now listen to me, we are so used to comparing this to that and making a decision, what's better? This to that, what's better? And you know, the truth is this, 
you prove what you think is better by what you do with your life. How many of you actually think that one thing's better than the other, but you do the other thing anyway? Anybody do that? <laughs> you do that? <laughs> like, not many of us would do that. Not many of us would say, I think this is better than that, but I'm going to do that. Most of us actually live our lives out in what we think is better. As we get into this uh, book of Hebrews, uh, that's what I want you to have in your mind as we enter into the text, is that the author of Hebrews is writing to uh, Jewish believers. Now, don't miss that. Jewish believers. That's why it's called Hebrews, right? It's in the name, Hebrews, okay? But he's writing to an audience and making a case for what's better. And we're going to jump right into that this morning as he opens the text in a really profound way of, of proclamations about Jesus. I want to read a few verses with you, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to spend some time in the text this morning. You can go ahead and turn there if you would like to. If you brought a Bible, it's, it's in Hebrews, it's in the epistles toward the uh, end of the First Testament, and if, or the, the New Testament. And if you didn't, grab one of ours and check it out. It's on page 838, which is actually not numbers. It's on page 838, next to 839. You know what I'm saying. And I just want to hear the word this morning, and then we'll pray and we'll talk about it a little bit. This is what the word says. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Radical stuff. Let's pray that God would inspire us to understand his word. Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you and to celebrate you, to send people out in your name, to give ourselves over holistically, completely, to lay down our burdens at your feet and just worship you, to trust you with everything that we have in this life and beyond. And Father, as we've come here from all different walks of life and all different circumstances, some probably coming from very great places and some of us coming from very hard places, Father, today we want to listen to you would you open your word to us? Would you show us the wisdom that you have for us through it? Would, would you, you know, impregnate it into us? Would you, would you drive out the things that are not of you as we explore who you call us or who you call us to be? May we, as much as we're able, open ourselves, but may you break through. We thank you so much for the opportunity we have to understand, to talk to you, even to talk to you, Father. You're so beautiful. We're so pleased to be able to pray with you. And Father, would you now reveal truth through your word? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Hebrews opens with a, a, a whole bunch of stuff. 
And I don't know if when you read, sometimes I'm tempted, honestly, whenever I read scripture and it's got a lot of stuff in it, I have two temptations, right? Two, two opportunities. One is to go, wow, that was a lot of stuff that I don't understand and then just kind of move on, <laughs> you know? And then I get to something that's easier and I'm like, oh, I understand that. But the other stuff was crazy, you know? Um, the other opportunity we have is to go stop the bus, back up, and let's look at that again and see what, what actually was said. I would so encourage you to do the option two. If there's some areas of Scripture that you struggle, spend more time there. Read more deeply. Don't be afraid to investigate, to study the Word of God. Today, I, I want to throw out there what, and you can read it in your, in your Bible right in front of you, but the, the, the radical claims that the, the author of Hebrews made about Jesus and, and the, the first, and not really the first, but the first I'm going to mention to you right now is that Jesus is the heir of all things. Isn't that interesting? The author of Hebrews wrote to the church and said, Jesus will inherit everything. Everything belongs to Jesus. I don't know if you think about that much, but if you're an heir, you receive something from someone else that they just give it to you, Right? It's, it's an inheritance or it's a gift. It's a treasure given to you. And, and, and that's a radical thing that we can read right past that. We can go, oh, yeah, I, I understand. He, he's going to get the heir of everything. He's the heir of everything. But wow, think about what that means. Every single thing belongs to Jesus in the end. That's a radical assertion. Second assertion he makes, which we've heard made before in Scripture, by the way, is that God made everything, the universe, that says the worlds, through Jesus. So the first thing you hear is that at the end, everything belongs to Jesus. And then the author says, and by the way, at the beginning, God made everything through Jesus. We talked last week about how God knit us together in our mother's womb. And we might go, that's abstract God. What the Bible says is that God made us through Jesus, that God made the worlds through Jesus, that God made life through Jesus. And that's a radical thought. Like I said, it's not the only place it's found, but here he just makes it real quick. In these first four verses, it says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. That's what the scriptures say. I remember one time I was at Family Bible Church. I was right where you guys are, hanging out. And I remember Todd Gentman was preaching. And I can't remember all the texts and stuff, but I remember what he said. He said, if you have seen Jesus... You've seen God. That's what this says right here. He's the exact representation of God's being. The author goes on to say, Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word. So now we have the everything is Jesus is in the end. Jesus, God made everything through Jesus. And then the word says that everything is sustained through his word. He literally, like your breath, your life. You wonder why I get really passionate about us turning our hearts toward God, about me turning my heart toward God. It's because he sustains me with his word. You talk about how dangerous life is, how you don't know how many days you have on this earth. He sustains you by his word. So even in the middle, Jesus is in charge. He's the authority. Jesus provided, I love this, 
purification for sins. We know that. We're going to talk about that later too. We have a cross up here because we remember that Jesus provided purification for sins. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of heaven's majesty. Talk about that. That's huge. And then the author says, Jesus is superior to angels, and his name is superior to every other name ever. We sang a song this morning that said, you know, words, no other name, Jesus. Did you sing that song? That's what the Bible says. There's no other name like it. It's the only one. The truth of Scripture coming out. So we want to walk through here now, and we're going to kind of roll through these. Um, and just look at the Bible with me. Look at what the Scriptures say. And this is the first thing I told you I skipped something. This is, I want to talk about this for a moment, okay? In the past, the author of Hebrews says, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. I want to stop right there for a moment and talk about what that means to a Jewish audience. All the time they've known Yahweh, all the time they've known God, all the time they've followed him, he has had various men that would come and they would speak the word of God to them. They were called prophets, and this is how Israel heard from God. It was, has God spoken? Well, let's, let's go ask the prophet. What's the prophet saying? By the way, if you read about the First Testament prophets, many times they were scorned and mocked and ridiculed. A prophet's life was not easy. It wasn't honored. Unless men could manipulate the prophet into saying what they wanted, a lot of times the prophets were like pushed aside. If the truth was too hard to hear, they were pushed aside. But wow, when, when Jesus comes on the scene, the prophets have stopped talking, right? God is no longer speaking. I love also that the word says that God spoke through various prophets in various ways. <laughs> he would do different things in different times. You know, they, the prophet would come over here and he would prophesy in this way and then all of a sudden people think, well, this must be how you pro God prophesies and then God would prophesy through this person over here in a completely different way. We always talk about a family Bible church how God isn't constrained to method. <laughs> isn't that? There's danger in that idea that God's constrained to method. The church latches on to methods so quickly. If we could just figure out the God box, if we could just unlock the combination, if we could just open the vaults of heaven and let it rain. But God is not manipulated by man. God is God. And here the author of Hebrews says he's, he's prophesied through many people in many ways. All that is setting up Coke versus Pepsi. You know what he says next? But now, in the last days, God has spoke through his son. Don't miss it. It's the first line of the book. But now, God, who has done all this stuff through prophets, has spoken in the last days through his son. He makes this case. You think you were impressed with the prophets? Listen to Jesus. Right? Now, I want to talk about why that was a big deal to them. And you might already know this, right? But this threatened, did you hear what it said? Our, the God spoke to our forefathers this way. Like, this is your dad's religion. This is the way it's supposed to work. This is a safe following of Yahweh, the God in a box, you know? You can just do this, and, and, and that's the way it's always been. And now the, the, the author says there's this new thing that God did in Jesus, and his son has spoken He's saying this, Jesus 
is better than all the prophets. That's what he's saying. In this time and in this way. It's interesting because in our culture right now, you will find some people who will deny Jesus completely. They will say, he's not the son of God. He's not even a person. He didn't even exist. Like, they will just historically say, Jesus is not real, period, right? But you'll have some who say, well, no, Jesus existed, and he was a great teacher. Or or you'll have some say, well, Jesus existed, and he was a great prophet in the line of prophets, and there's more prophets. But in Hebrews, the scripture says, but now, in the last days, God has spoken through his son. Not another prophet, not another voice, but his own um, begotten son, his own kindred, his kind. It's a radical, do you see it? But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And then he starts to make these radical claims about who Jesus is. Inheritor of all things, right? Everything will, will be his. I, I want to ask a question. This is the crux of what I'm talking about with this morning is some often when we get into uh, church, we come to believe the gospel. And we're like, man, Jesus is everything. That's awesome. But then we get more excited about what God does through someone than God himself. Do you know what I'm saying? We get more excited and more passionate whenever we, we see God move in a certain way or speak in a certain way, you know what I mean? And we get more, and even this idea, because I'm thinking, what could be greater than a prophet? Like, what could be greater than a prophet? And, and there are people right now in church world that if someone comes in and says, I have a word from the Lord, and they speak it to you, you're going to cling to that word, and you're going to say, oh, they spoke this word, and it, it's every, the, the prophet has spoken. This happens right now in the church, and the author of Hebrews says, wait a minute, Jesus has spoken. That's different. What could be more radical than God's own son having spoken. I'm telling you this because it's a danger we have. And it's found in other places in the scripture, by the way, not just here. We, we worship the created things rather than the creator. We worship the manifestation of a gift rather than the gift giver. Do you hear what I'm saying? We would rather have God show up and bless us in our lives than to have God in our lives. But the author of Hebrews says, now, in these days, the Son of God has spoken. And then attributes all these awesome things. What could be better in your life than a prophet? Really? What could be better in your life than, than you know, God keeping that promise that you've said, this is the one you must keep? The Bible says Jesus is better. I told you already, Jesus inherits everything in the end. I think that's a radical thought. Every, you know, we kind of lament the brokenness of the world and the sin of the world and all those things, you know, and, and, but you know, this is Jesus' inheritance. 
we're living through his inheritance. He inherits everything. And then I talked about he, he made everything as well. Look at, look at verse 3 then. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. That, I'll stop there. The radiance of God's glory. These aren't cheap words, by the way. This, this idea of him being radiance is this idea of a new light. Listen to me. It's not a regurgitation of an old light. It's not all these guys were speaking for God and this guy is speaking for God too. All these guys were giving light to the path and this guy is giving the light too. This was him saying he's the radiance of God's glory that in and through Jesus, a new light burst into the world. And I'm telling you, if you don't know that about Jesus, you're missing the point because following Jesus isn't about being a good person or having the right answers. It's about God breaking through in a glorious light in your life that you can no longer deny that the sun is raised. That you can't be like standing outside at noon and saying, I don't believe it's really sunny today. It's, it's happened. The radiance, listen, of God's glory. I mean, do you think about the reality of that a little bit? In the First Testament, we hear the stories of the angels worshiping and falling at his feet and the cherubs flying around the throne and the place shaking because of his glory and that broke forth. It came through. It arose. It showed up in Jesus. Wow. What else do you want? It's interesting because that might seem obvious. Well, nothing else. That's what we want, Jesus. That's what we want. But the book is written to a people who seemed conflicted about it. I don't know. Is this new way better than the old way? I don't know. Is this Jesus worth my entire life? Maybe that's your question. And you don't know. I don't know. He begs the question. This light has broke forth. A brand new thing that God has done has radiated out in the person of Jesus Christ. And I told you earlier, we're going to talk about this for a minute. Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. That's what the word says. I love the word for representa- of the, um, the representation because it's character. It's character. Isn't that interesting in the Greek? Um, the, the idea of character was, now we talk about character now, right? And I have not, I don't know how, it's like the same exact word with a K instead of a C on the second C. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? Character. But isn't it interesting because it started out with this idea of a tool that fashions people. A a tool that changes clay into something glorious. A tool that shapes, it, it, it morphed into the idea of a mold. Something that you're pressed into and just you know what I mean? All that we talked before about like the Play-Doh cutouts, you know, you push down the thing and all the excess gets cut away. That's kind of what it's like following Jesus that he just presses you in. But it's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he does love you and that junk you're holding on to, you don't need to be a follower of his and he's just cutting it away ever so gently and lovingly. He's just taking off the edges so you can be who he made you to be. But, but it also has this idea, character of being struck you know, like, like a mark, like marked. Like the hammer, you know, and the letters, and just like, pank, 
pink, and it just, you're, all, you're forever changed. Well, what's radical about Jesus is this text doesn't say that Jesus was changed into the character. He is the very character. He is the very mold of God's being. And I want to talk about that for a minute. The idea of God's being is this, the substance behind all the stuff, right? Which is why I said when Todd said what he said in the sermon, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. That's exactly what the Hebrew writer says, that he is. He's underneath. All the excess has been trimmed away. And what we see in Jesus in his life, which, by the way, I would encourage you, if you don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, don't listen to the culture and the noise. Don't even listen to the pastors and the noise. Read the Gospels. Examine the Scriptures for what Jesus did and what he said and how he behaved. Because all, honestly, all of us get this wrong. <laughs> we, we have certain areas of Jesus we like more. We're like, oh, I like Jesus more over here, but I don't like him over here as much. I know he's still my Lord and say, but I, I have a hard time with what he's saying here, but I, I like this over here. It's safer for me. The Hebrews says that Jesus is the actual manifestation of God. He's the, everything's there. We're going to talk about why that matters so much in a moment because you see, we, God made us in his image. That's what the scriptures say. And so when we see Jesus, we see this perfect representation of God's intent for us. All the reality of Jesus coming down, all the, the it's called condescension of him coming and, and leaving his throne, his creative throne to be with us, to live with us, and to die for us as a, as a manifestation of God's person, of who he is. I told you earlier, the scriptures say that he sustains all things by, by his word, all things. Um, one, one of the craziest realities I have, and I know many of you um, pray that, that God, uh, that Jesus would come back now. I know you, many of you do. But many of you have been praying that for years and years. And God's forbearance, not answering your prayers, has allowed sinners like me to come to faith in Jesus. The irony is, for those who don't believe in Jesus or God at all, is that they're still sustained by his word. There, this is the time. These last days are the time that he's sustained us by his word. And that was true for me and it was true for you and, and many believers since this book was written, many believers have been praying, Lord Jesus, come now. You've saved enough because you've saved me. <laughs> but in his great love and mercy, he continues to allow his gospel to shine forth. And he sustains all things by his word. The author then turns to this idea that Jesus provided purification for sins, right? And we talk about that often. I mean, that's the truth. We're sinners. We're, we're, we're so stuck in our sin. We're so immersed in our sin. Like, it's not even like we can choose to not sin because, like, every choice is a sinful choice. Like, everything is broken and defunct. We're dead. The Paul says we're dead in our sin. This idea that Jesus purified all sins is this idea that something good driving out all the bad. Don't miss it, right? It's not just that he whitewashed it on the outside. He says, oh, you're holy now. Oh, I will cover your sins, which is what Scripture says. We will be covered. But the word here says that he purified 
our sin. He purified our sin. And, and it's that idea of being effusive, being from the inside out. It's like taking a pill that goes inside and then just drives everything nasty and not of God from your pores. You understand? It's not about looking right on the outside and acting right on the outside and having all the right answers. It's about a God who has invaded your personal space and driven the sin from your life. And if you know Jesus is your Savior, you know that he, he works in those ways and he, he just isn't satisfied. And you won't be either. You won't be satisfied either. He purifies our sins, the scriptures say. And then, and then this is what I want to get to, okay? So there's a little bit of kind of hopping here I want you to do with me. So Jesus will get everything. He created everything, and he sustains everything. But he came to earth as a man, right? And then he purified the sin. He came back up through this kind of barrier of sin that we were all stuck in. And the word says then that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So the author is claiming he's now in heaven with the Father and his right hand. The right hand's a, a seat of authority, of power. And he's come back. I'm making a big deal of that because in a minute it's going to be a huge issue that he's going to wrestle with right away in the book. So he has come to earth to be with man. He's died to purify our sins. And now he's gone back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. And this is the point. Look at it in verse 4. So Jesus became as much superior to the angels as the name that he inherited superior to theirs. And that's his next big point here, is that Jesus is better than angels. I already told you that Jesus is better than prophets, Right? Jesus is better than a prophet speaking over you or a prophet who would say, I have a word from God for you. Jesus is better than that. But here, the author says that Jesus is better than the angels. I'm amazed as you look around our culture. I can't tell you how many times I see people who say, I, I don't believe in God, but I'm spiritual. <laughs> you know? Um, I, I don't believe in Jesus, but I'm superstitious. Right? And, and they have this this thing they do where they play these games and they act as if something under God's authority is more worthy of worship than God himself is. You see it all the time, don't you? If you want to sell a house, bury a statue in your front yard. If you want to be safe in your car, clip an angel to your visor. Are you listening this morning? Because there are angels who are attending to your way and they're going to keep you safe and that's their whole concern is you because you're so important. But you are disregarding the God who made the angels. The Bible says this. The Bible says that Jesus is superior to the angels. Why? Why? Because he has come down to earth he has lived a sinless life. He has loved us so well. He's healed infirmities. By the way, I think that was a natural outcropping of his presence. I think it's just he's here, and it's not how it's supposed to be. And then Jesus has broken through the sin barrier, and he has superseded angels who are worshiping the Father, and he's sitting at the right hand while the angels are worshiping the Father. Everything coming next, the author writes, about angels being inferior to Jesus. Read it with me if you would. For to which of his angels did God ever say, you are my son? First point he makes. 
God never called an angel his child. You hear in the word today? He never called an angel his son. You're my son, my child. I will be his father, it says. Or again, I'll be his father and he'll be my son. By the way, all these quotes come out of the Psalms, which is interesting, right? And again, the Lord brings his... Uh, the Lord God brings his firstborn into the world and he says, let all of God's angels, what, worship him. Like the angels are subject to Jesus. The angels are beneath Jesus and his creation. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, or the winds are his messengers, what the word says, right? And his servants become flames of fire. But about the Son of God, he sa- about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. Your righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You will have loved, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above all your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And he also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will all perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, but you will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will all be changed, but you remain the same. Your years will never cease to be. Jesus is bigger than the angels. Now, maybe you're going, I get it, man. Yeah, I get it, Jesus. But we, we kind of wear out on that stuff, don't we? We say, you know, well, there has to be more. Doesn't there have to be more than just Jesus? Isn't there something better than Jesus in this life of Jesus? Hebrews says no. Finally, he says, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your, what, enemies a footstool for your, what, feet? Promise to Jesus, not to the angels. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who, what, will inherit salvation? Will inherit salvation. Here's the radical reality. And I'm going to tread here with me. We, who have been claimed as children of Christ, have a position superior to angels. Isn't that crazy to you? That the gospel says, if you believe me, you believe in me, you will be saved. And in that moment, we take that threshold jump with Jesus to the kingdom of heaven. I've heard it said this way before. The angels see God and worship God, but they would long to be children of God. They would long to be known and know him the way that we are invited to know and know him through Jesus Christ. They, 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 they praise, the word says that every time a sinner comes to repentance, the angels have a party in heaven because another one gets to be included. That's radical. You know why? Because it's radical for people who think Oh, if this angel would only help me. And we ignore Jesus, the very salvation of our lives. We believe the gospel and then we hunt around in church over something better than Jesus. Oh, God, forgive us. We walk around, we preach. There's something that's better than Jesus. There's nothing better than Jesus. Nothing. We celebrate what missionaries do across the world. It's not better than Jesus. You know? We celebrate the word of God, the revelation of truth to us, the Bible written that we could know him intimately, but it's not better than Jesus. He said it himself. They testify about me, but I'm here. And all this stuff, 
some of you here are denying Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I hear it, man. I've read the Bible. But then you deny Jesus. And then you hope for mercy. You hope for help. You hope for a rescuer. Oh, God, that you would send someone to save me from my sin. Oh, God, that you would deliver me from my stuckness, that you would take me from this place, but not Jesus. I'll just take something else. No. The author of Hebrews says, and by the way, you think it's hard for you. This is written to a Jewish people who claim their heritage is their right. (laughs) Jesus is better. Today, the offer is extended. It's not too late. You know why? Because you're still breathing. You know, God's still revealing truth. You can claim Jesus. You can believe in Jesus. You can, you can say, he is mine. I, I, Jesus, I want you. I don't want the stuff. I want you. I don't want, I don't want all the trappings. I want you. I want to know you and have you tra- transform me to be what the word says, purify my sins, drive them out of my life. I'm sick of the wrong way. I'm sick of my way. Today, you can do that. Or you can deny Jesus. I'm going to invite you to pray with me, for real. And if you feel that compulsion, if you feel that God's convicting your spirit, now today's your day to believe the gospel, you can just believe it today. And if if you don't, you've been warned. That's how it works. Pray with me, if you would. Father God, we thank you for the truth of the gospel, and we thank you that you have had mercy on sinners like me that those who feel are the furthest from you and those that feel that they can't possibly turn to you, that you would reject them or you would not pay attention or maybe they don't even believe that you're there, that today they would open their hearts, their minds to the truth that this gospel is your plan. It's your plan. It's not our plan. We, we didn't invent this, Father. It's you. We didn't make much of Jesus. You made much of Jesus. Father, today as we've been here worshiping, I pray that prayer that Hebrews says that Jesus drives all the sins from our lives and we need more of you. We need you. Would you guard our hearts? Would you draw us back to the gospel and back to the truth and away from the lies of the world and the sins and the contortions of scripture to the truth that you manifest your perfect gift in your son and our savior Jesus. May we know that today. And no matter where we are, I pray that we would just cling and pursue and love and preach and celebrate that truth. You are so good and you are so worthy of praise. Father, we thank you for the work you're doing and for the way that you're doing it. We thank you that you have mercy on sinners who reject you. That you keep coming back and showing us the way and inviting us in. Today, I pray that we would all we would all return our hearts to you. You have it, all of us, everything that we have. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.